All right, welcome RBA to the uh, to the sixth replay podcast that we've done. This is highlighting the 2006 RBA season, and I have with me, as always, the pioneer, the first RBA owner ever, ever, to win fewer than 26 games in a season. Not Jesse, not <laughs> an expansion team, but no, it was your Arizona Greenbacks. Jeff Hobbs, welcome back. <laughs> Oh, this is my season we're about to talk about. <laughs> yep. 2006. Let's, uh, let's start with that. Let's, let's do the transition in this way. We came out of, uh, we came out of the 05 season. We, we talked at length about the final series between you and Cooper, uh, won in that last game by Cooper. Um, you went into the wilderness, so to speak, the RBA woods. And uh, not to emerge until the seventh season. Tell us about where uh, where your mind was in the off season between '05 and '06. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we already talked about the fifth season, but I had uh, I finished that season with arguably the greatest RBA team ever, and we didn't even win our division. <laughs> um, and what was really frustrating about it was, uh, was, well, just the, uh, fact that Cooper and Chad were, uh, ugh, God, at that time they were very arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I, uh, Cooper had picked me at the start of the season. I, I have a couple of their emails. Cooper picked me at the start of that season to finish in fourth. Mm. <laughs> and Chad, uh, I think Chad might have picked me uh, to finish in a similar position. So uh, this is this is why I want to rejoin the old Larkin because Chad and Cooper just kind of they they uh, they just uh, formed a little alliance against you in that division, and they they would never admit that you were better than either of them. Um, I guess so. Yeah, they they they. It was funny. They also hated each other, but it's true. It's true. They had they had these little uh, skirmishes, which uh, they would yeah. resolve from time to time. But there are many times in the RBA's history, which a lot of people don't know, that the two of them refused to trade with each other. Yeah, <laughs> for a long time they refused to trade with each other, and uh... it was sporadic. I think it was kind of it was off and on. <laughs> But. Yeah, no, there were there were a lot of skirmishes between them. Uh, yeah, uh, but anyway, it was a very much a difference in uh, baseball philosophy, I suppose. Uh, Chad and Cooper were sort of on one side, and Adam and I were on another side. Um, That's a side you want to be on in the RBA. <laughs> this was back when Adam cared. <laughs> um, and and for and, and that characterization, I think we can generalize it by saying that Chad and Cooper tilted more toward talent and future performance, and you and Adam tilted more toward. Uh, current performance. Yeah, that's a that's a fair generalization of it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Adam was a little more extreme than I was. I would I would agree. <laughs> I think we'll talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so okay to answer your question, uh, I yeah finished the fifth season and and you know missing the playoffs uh, on the last day of the season by losing to none other than Cooper himself. So uh, that that absolutely killed me. It was kind of a cumulative thing. Um, I had underachieved for a few years in a row, and when the sixth season rolled around, I I was so uh, just d- d- destroyed by the by what had happened in the fifth season that I had done very little research. Uh, I had always done a lot of research before the drafts, but I actually couldn't bring myself to do much for 2006. I even <laughs> I even went so far as to, uh, in lieu of spending. Uh, you know, however many hours doing research, like I always did in the past, in lieu of doing that, I actually spent 20 bucks. <laughs> I remember this story. I actually spent $20 to, to purchase a couple of online spreadsheets <laughs> with stat, with all the stats already in them from the, from the major league season that had just completed. And, uh, as I recall, those spreadsheets, in fact, I have them, the, they, really? They they gave you the players splits. Wait a second, you saved a spreadsheet? Are you sure? Yeah, they, those. <laughs> I know those spreadsheets gave you the players splits, but not the overall OPS. Okay. And I was too lazy <laughs> to look up their overall OPS, and so I just estimated it based on the splits. Nice. I was. I really didn't want to do anything. So 
the funny thing about the sixth season was I actually didn't know if I was going to contend or not until the draft. Even though you'd done zero research. I'd done zero research and had <laughs> zero draft it because I had traded for bonds and uh, a bunch of players, you know, to beef up the season before. So I had that's a the, that, that's the kind of analysis of of team position that we're that we've come to be accustomed to out of you, Jeff. Yeah, great. Well, <laughs> I um so but I had really good keepers though. The I I I I uh Well, I was going to ask. I was going to ask, you know, if you had planned, you know, what 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 your team looked like and if you had planned on it based on your team. Were you going to ask if I could look up your keepers? No, that's okay. Um, uh, I, I anticipated a question that you weren't asking. What were you going to say then? No, I well, I was going to say I had good keepers, uh, but I didn't know if I was going to contend I, because I hadn't done any research. I had a very light draft. I was missing a bunch of picks. I think I did have a f- first, but I don't – anyway. No, you definitely didn't have a first. Yeah, I guess not. Oh, yeah, the first went in the Bonds deal, of course. Correct. Uh, but anyway – I so I didn't know if I was going to contend until I actually got to the draft, at which time I decided to uh, not contend. Okay. <laughs> and the decisions, uh, the decision not to contend was based on a few things. One being the fact that I was just completely pissed off. Uh, <laughs> and hadn't prepared. And uh, another being the fact that I was finishing my dissertation. Uh, so I decided I could probably take a year off from the RBA and, and, and get that out of the way. And right. You'd been working on that since the RBA started, I believe, by that point. That's about when I'd started on it, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, well, not quite, but close. And, close and then um, third was the fact that I had Barry Bonds on the roster, and Bonds was, was not – did not qualify for, two, for the 2006 RBA season. Right. But it seemed like there was at least a 50-50 chance, probably better, that he would come back and play at least one more season. So I said, okay, well, <laughs> let's go give myself a chance to, to, uh, mentally regroup. Uh, yeah, I believe you, I, I remember you telling me when you traded for him, uh, of course, at the end of the fifth season, you thought that maybe you'd get another season out of him. We knew, the, well, the reason that Adam dealt him, of course, was we knew he wasn't going to be back in 06. Yeah. Um, he had already had a season-ending injury. I don't remember what that injury was. Maybe uh, a big-headed syndrome or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, maybe he ran into a door frame <laughs> trying to walk through it. Um, but you said, I mean, le- I think you said that even then, 50-50 chance he'd be back for one season. And I remember, you know, like a, a year or two later, you saying, I, you know, I can't believe that I got two more seasons out of bonds. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, and that, and that of course, was the resolution. You uh, you ended up getting 07 and 08, and they were both good seasons. I mean, they were pretty comparable to what he did when he was a monster, I believe. Yeah, not quite, but they were, they were, yeah, they were close. Had, like an OPS of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But anyway, go ahead. Uh, so anyway, that was basically it. I, uh, I, for those three reasons, uh, me being pissed off, me trying to finish my dissertation, and knowing that Bonds, there was at least a, a pretty good chance of Bonds coming back for one more year, I decided to just shelve it. And, that, and actually, to date, the 2006 season is the only season where I've, where I've just tanked from the very beginning, from the draft. Yeah, uh, well, okay. So you said going into it you weren't sure if you were going to contend or not, but then... Right, but then by the time the draft actually okay. started, I had traded away... I had traded away a couple of really good relievers. I had B.J. Ryan and I think maybe Juan Rincon protected, and they were really good. I had two really good relievers, and I think I traded both of them. Uh, you traded, uh, yeah, you traded B.J. Ryan to uh, Chad. Uh, this says it's on draft day, so I guess it, it wasn't pre-draft day, but at the draft anyway, you traded that for, uh, you traded him um, for basically a couple of fourths in the next season. You gave up a couple of late picks. Yeah. Um, you, uh, let's see. Do I see another? Well, there are a couple of trades that I want to talk about. I don't see another reliever that you traded. But okay, maybe maybe that was, I, I traded uh, Ramirez, <laughs> Aramis. Yeah, that was a bit of a blunder. That did not work out for me. Uh, yeah, you traded Aramis Ramirez for the corpse of, of Eric Chavez, which the fact that Chad was willing to trade Chavez should have told us all something right there. <laughs> I made the statement uh, in the last podcast about the prior, the Mark Pryor trade where I said, Mm-hmm. You know somebody is overpaying for Mark Pryor when the seller is you. Yep. There you go. Could be made about Chad and Chavez. Oh yes. Yes. We were all very skeptical of Ramos Ramirez at the time because he'd been so 
he'd been really good for a couple of years of his career, but he'd been so awful in all the other years. Well, he yeah, at that time he couldn't take a walk. He was a, an idiot, as evidenced by the fact that he charged them out against Ben Sheets and, and ruined his whole season. He brought the bat with him when he did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, it, I just want to point out, talking about things that you said on a previous podcast, you also said about Mark Pryor that the – you know, Cooper wasn't the one, wasn't the last person to pay premium price for him. I don't know if you paid premium price, but I think you got caught holding the Eric Chavez back there. there no question about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, there are a couple of other trades that, that I want to get into there. But um, there, there's one thing as we as we go up to the to the preparation of the season. You're talking about, of course, so this is your first rebuilding season. This is the first year where you came in. You know, the fourth season ended up being something of a retooling, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, this is the first season where you actually said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after this, you know, tear it down, rebuild it. Um, and I remember, I, as, as I was thinking about this season, one thing I remembered was, you, for the first five seasons, and with cause, had just bemoaned the fact that you were, you were just star-crossed in the league. You were, you were getting screwed, despite the first season when it was kind of that magical run, but you underachieved in, in the four seasons after that. And so I remember saying, okay, Jeff, you're gonna, you're gonna go for this and try for the number one pick. You're really gonna, you're really gonna put together a bad team and try and rebuild. One of two things is gonna happen. Either you're gonna, either you're gonna overachieve by 10 games and completely screw your draft position, or you're gonna be the worst team of all time. <laughs> I remember that. I, I, it's funny, I, I'd forgotten about you saying that, but uh, now that you mentioned it, I, I remember you saying that several yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny because, uh, you know, one way or the other, you, you were either going to underachieve by games one or the league was going to kind of screw you again because all you wanted was that number one pick. And the, the other funny thing is you took this really well to your credit. Um, and, and whether it was a rationalization or, or whatever, you said that, that you still got a very good player, but <laughs> I kind of screwed you out of the number one pick anyway, because in the next season we expanded. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, again, I, I wasn't going to complain about the expansion the way that Jesse had. Oh yeah, uh, he really, that's one thing we didn't talk about. He really bellyached about that. Yeah, I was, I, I read some old RBA emails not too long ago and, uh, and I'd totally forgotten about that, but yeah, I mean, well, you know, when you expand, you make the you yeah. I I, I went from having what would have been the number one overall pick to the number four overall yeah, pick. Yeah, we expanded by three teams. I guess we'll talk about that going into well, the next podcast. By three but yeah. teams, you're putting like ninety more players or eighty more players or whatever it is. I guess yeah, about eighty more players into the league. Yeah. Uh, so that number four pick I had the following season turned into a really good player. We'll get to that later, but yeah. yeah you can't complain about who you got. It's still, <laughs> still on the team. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, just to, just to mention that, the one thing we probably should have mentioned was, yeah, we expanded after the first season and Jesse, of course, who had the, the worst team of all time until your sixth season team came out. And, you know, right. Um, ended up with the number three pick in that draft. Um, rather than the number one. But that draft was so strong. You remember who he got at number three? Mm, Ichiro? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so you're talking about, and, and you, of course, got Matt Kane at, at number four. I mean, we're talking about yeah. borderline franchise players, you know, better than some number one picks, even the ones that, that weren't screwed up. So, I mean, I, I think it tends to even out anyway, but yeah, I thought I, that was funny. Um, Florian, I guess I should mention that well, well, another interesting thing about, I was, the, about yeah. this season going into it was... I was just going to say that, yeah, but go ahead and take it. Uh, quite, quite arguably the two greatest uh, RBA teams ever were my fifth season team and Florian's fifth season team. Correct. And again, you could make a case for Chad's second season team. But anyway, uh, what's interesting is the fifth season, there was so much disparity and so much trading that to get these monster teams uh, that Florian and I had, we had to trade away a bunch of our future. I especially had to, but also Florian. And so we both rebuilt in the sixth season, and that's we, we kind of have been on the si- a very similar cycle since then. So. <laughs> in my in my notes for the podcast, I have cycle of rebuilding Jeffs written down. <laughs> to, so that's exactly what I wanted to, to mention. Um, yeah, you often talk about how you and you and Jeff have ended up on the same rebuilding cycle. It really it's season six and season nine. Yeah, right. And you, um, I mean, you know, and and. 
uh, yeah, hopefully he won't mind me saying that, that you, you've had more success in your non-rebuilding seasons than he has. He's gotten some bad luck with some of the players that he tried to rebuild with. But, of course, yeah. you rebuilt it for the seventh and eighth season. Now, he, he made the playoffs with a 50-win team in the seventh season and um, looks looking like he's going to make it again here in the 11th. Um, but of course, you, you in the 8th, 9th, I'm sorry, the 7th, 8th, 10th, and 11th now won 50 games in all four of those seasons. Yeah, so, I just won my 50th this year. Yeah, one thing I should mention. So, it is interesting that the Jeffs kind of on the same rebuilding cycle. Well, I'll be rebuilding, I will probably be rebuilding next year, and he will oh. not. Oh, is that your professional opinion? That is my professional opinion. <laughs> You'll probably be, re- just like you were probably rebuilding going into the 6th season. <laughs> No, that <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully you won't go into the RBA wilderness again after this season. But uh, um, well, let's um, let's see. You want to talk about the uh, well? Uh, how should we do this? You want to talk about the draft now? We were doing a little bit about the draft. We usually do the replay standings more toward the end, don't we? Yeah, let's do the draft. Okay. Um, so I guess we can in talking about the draft. There's something that we've teased a couple of times here, and one thing that that I wanted to mention, and that was this one. As long as I've got my history correct, and I think you you agree with me on, on my memory here, this was the wildest RBA weekend that we've oh, had. Yeah. Yes, and that's related to the draft. Of course, the draft is the is the um, culmination of RBA weekend. But um, why why don't you tell the listeners those those who uh, weren't there or haven't heard the allusions to this story? Um, why don't you uh, tell the listeners why uh, an impediment was thrown at you during this RVA weekend? Oh, I have no idea why. I, <laughs> I was probably antagonizing, Ch- well, yeah, I'm sure I antagonized Chad, but uh, he was smashed. <laughs> smashed. And then my, then my living room was smashed. <laughs> all I remember is all of a sudden a chair came flying at me. <laughs> I don't remember why. I don't remember the specifics of. I don't remember what led up to it exactly. This is this is the this will we'll never match this because we were you were what about thirty I guess and and I was twenty five and Chad was twenty six and and whatever we were just nuts and even Adam Adam was twenty eight. We'll we'll never get to this point again. This yeah. was this weekend was just a mess of wildness and we. Let's see. We we did the trivia challenge on Friday, I guess. I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. I believe it was Friday night that the chair throwing happened. After the draft, it was more mellow um, on Saturday. That was a Saturday night draft. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 Uh, only. Yeah. Yeah. That might have been the the last one for a while. But yeah. We've only had the Sunday drafts, I guess, when we were doing the first round at RBA weekend. But anyway, um, Friday night, I mean, it was like 2, 3 in the morning, and we were still up. I mean, the the trivia challenge is famous for taking all night anyway, but um, we weren't doing the trivia challenge. It was over. We were playing a a card game that that tactfully involved um, consuming beverages during the game, and... Tempers were running high. <laughs> just not not seriously. I don't think anybody was really serious about it, but we were just we were just being, you know, idiots, dumbasses, so to speak. And um Chad just got mad at you for some reason. <laughs> not honestly mad. I mean he wasn't he wasn't trying to injure you. It wasn't like you were in a fight. It was just one of those things. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, no, I again I don't remember at all. And well, that that means you were there. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's like Woodstock. That that RBA weekend is like Woodstock, the, the yeah. equivalent. Um, you got a chair thrown at you. That's true. Um, and then we we played the championship, and we talked about the championship already. But um, you know, Cooper, uh, you know, uh, took it very hard. Um, Doug was passed out during the during the championship, I believe, or maybe even going into the draft. Adam, this was Adams. This was really Adam brought it up to the level of the second and third RBA weekends with the drunkenness. This was this was of course the the during the draft. Adam was watching a college football game, and this was where he just started picking up random objects yeah. and comparing them to the players. Uh, I believe it was I don't know Georgia Tech or Miami or something like that. And I'm trying to run the draft, and Adam kept saying. Jeez, Jr. What's better, this beer bottle or Ken Dorsey? I guess I don't even know who it was. 
and I, I would just look at him, and I was like, what? I, I've, I've got, I'm talking to four people on the phone, uh, and I'm trying to run a draft. This was, for some reason, I had to add all the people on the phone. This was before Skype or, or IM or anything. It sounds like it was ancient history, but I guess it was only five years ago. Um, Cooper famously lampooned it in an email by saying that I had wires stuck in various parts of my body, but I, <laughs> if you remember that one. The hands-free anal devices. Uh, <laughs> thank you for remembering the exact phrase. Um, but I had, uh, yeah, I had little earbuds and I, and I had three way, I had a three way conversation in each of my ears. So I was talking to four different people on the phone. It was insane. And the whole time, Adam was just whining, whining. I remember he was sitting in the middle of my living room floor and just whining about everything. It was just so irritating. Uh, Do you have any memories of that draft? Um, Yeah, yeah. I just remember Adam being hammered. Yeah, well... Well, that's not specific to that draft, but yeah. Um, I guess the big story of the draft was who Jared would take first mm, overall. Right, that's more about the mechanics of the draft. That is one one thing that I, I certainly wanted to mention, and, and I guess in terms of the picks, we can start there. Do you remember, um, I guess Jared, I guess he wasn't there. I don't think he was at RBA weekend. Do you agree? I don't think he was either. Okay. Because before the draft, I, I want to say, and I'm glad we've recreated this now, but after the championship and before the draft, it's a really neat time at RBA weekend. But especially back then, because trades were just flying all over the place, and we were, and, and we were all sitting around just talking. And this was one of the more intriguing drafts we've ever had. Jared had the number one overall pick, and uh, Buffalo. Um, in their second season, had the number two pick. Um, there were what you might call landmines, not barbed wire, but there were landmines to step on in the, in, in, among the players. Um, there was in particular a right-handed outfielder who'd had half a season worth of an incredible performance, and that was Jeff Francoeur. Um, now, we all sat around... And there were other players also, such as John Patterson, who ended up winning the Rookie of the Year in the RBA. There was Noah Lowry. Players, you know, not in the league now. And then there were a couple of people who we thought were going to be stars. And we sat around and we kind of took bets on who Jared would take with the number one overall pick. I distinctly remember having a sheet of paper, and people were voting who they thought. And somebody voted for Clint Barmas, who he ended up taking in the third round anyway. But um, do you remember that or anything like that? Yeah, I do remember. Uh, Barmas uh, was floated as a possibility by more than one person. I was it more than one? Okay. Voted. I, I don't know. Uh, but... Yeah, I remember Barmas being mentioned as a possibility. <laughs> because, oh, of course, because Jared was already in Colorado by then, and Barmas had had a, kind of a breakout season for the Rockies. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, we kind of all, I mean, I think some people thought he might take Patterson, or, I, I mean, Jared was not well thought of in these circles, but this was the... This was the unmitigated disaster of a draft that torpedoed that team. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, he'd he been up and down, and I think we've seen in the replays that, that he should have been better in a couple of seasons than he was. But this this draft was just a napalm to his team. And we kind of thought it might happen. So Jared took Jeff Francoeur, number one overall, probably the worst number one overall pick that we've had thus far, wouldn't you think? I yeah, I can't think of one worse. But. I mean, Pryor was taken number one overall. That certainly wasn't a bad decision at the time, and even so, he put up a couple of good seasons. I mean, yeah. Jeff Francoeur. The the joke was Jared didn't even start him against uh, righties after taking <laughs> him number one overall. Wow, and he was, I, and I guess he was contending that year. I don't, I mean, yeah, why would, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, contending. Why would you take Francoeur anyway? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, uh, I mean. It, as we'll see in the replay standings, he he actually put together uh, he he did well in the replay, um, yeah. but he ended up taking Milton Bradley in the second round and then snapped up Barmas in the third. And I mean, when you look at the players he took, it's he just also, he okay. also took Sean Chacon at the end of the second round oh. and Josh Towers early in the third. Oh dear! So I mean, those top five players. I mean, oh, 
There, it's just, I mean, Towers and Chacon aren't even in the league anymore. Francor, Bradley, and Barmas are, 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 I mean, waiver wire fodder right now. I mean, and they have been pretty much since then. He had two early early fourth-round picks, which he used to take Scott Leinbrink and Mike Piazza. Oh, Mike Piazza was like 60 by then. So, uh, I mean, you can see he really, uh, yeah, uh, it was a rough draft for Jared. But we all kind of saw it coming because there were a couple of really big talents in this draft, and we really... We knew that he was going to screw it up. And so the, the biggest quote that we take away from, from this, I think, is, or maybe not quote a paraphrase, is Jared saying, I have Jason LaRue at catcher, so why would I take? <laughs> Joe Maurer. So Joe Maurer was in this draft, and you can't fault Buffalo's number two pick, which was no. Ryan Howard. Um, Baltimore, I remember trading up. Baltimore traded up to the number three spot. And I think maybe some people, do you remember, do you have any memories of the, the opening part of this draft, I should ask? I'm, well, I just, I opened up the draft page, so I'm looking. But I mean, do you remember what you were thinking? You were sitting at number seven, I guess. Oh, not really. I mean, remember, okay. I had done no research at all. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really have any memory of this. I, I really don't. I, I did not know anything going into this draft. Now, well, let me ask you this. I said you were at number seven, uh, of course, but going into draft day, you weren't at number seven. You didn't have that pick. We talked about that. You traded it for Bonds. Mm-hmm. But you got it back from Adam. Now, when did you do that? Do you remember? Was it right before the pick or was it earlier? Uh, it might. Yeah, I think it might have been right before the pick. Okay. Um. He offered me, uh, j- just quickly, so Frank Corr went first, oh, yeah. Howard went second, John Patterson went to Doug at number three, and Patterson, had ha- he was the best pitcher in that draft. He well, I was, yeah, I was going to say, that's why I asked. I was wondering if, because he traded up to get there. Yeah. John, uh, Doug traded with Adam. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, it must have been because that yeah you must have tra- you must have gotten that first round pick before because it's listed before this trade. Uh, but yeah, Adam traded up from five, or, or I'm sorry, Doug traded up from five, spent a fourth round pick in the next season to do it. So he kind of switched with Adam, and I, I would guess that people thought he was going to take uh, Mauer, but maybe not. Yeah, I mean I don't remember, <laughs> but he. Uh... But Doug was trying to contend that year. Maurer wasn't that good for that year, so he took Patterson, who didn't look like a great prospect or anything, but hell, he's a pitcher. Uh, <laughs> right. He was, he was uh, the best, I think, as I, I think the best pitcher in the draft for that year, anyway. And then Pete took Noah, Noah Lowry. Oh, Pete. Speaking then, of speaking of blowing up a team, I mean, you look at Pete's picks in this in this draft, they look similarly awful. And then Walla Walla took Maurer at five. Silver so, Blanton at six. Yeah, so Adam ended up with Maurer at five, and and Chad and I talked a little bit about this when he was talking uh, when, when he was on the podcast. Um, amazing, kind of that he fell to five. I mean, I know he didn't have great stats that season, so I mean it, it explains it a little bit. But I mean, I think everybody knew what he was. Um, but uh, and I guess Chad had been kind of angling to get that pick, and we'll talk about how he ended up with him later. Um, you traded. No, well, okay. Well, let's talk about Adam's strategy, uh, which is interesting that he took Maurer anyway. Uh, I guess maybe he was the best catcher there. I don't know, but Adam has a certain amount of laziness. Well, in general, but uh, with regard to the draft. And this was the first of his uh, years of strategy where he would say, I don't feel like analyzing these players. Just give me somebody off your team and you can have my pick. Right. Uh, correct. So that was kind of how he presented this to you, right? I mean, uh, yep. yeah. So you you were sitting there with uh, the number, well, uh, I guess you were sitting there with a player. He had the number seven pick and he had the number eight pick. And he just wasn't enthused about, oh, I guess he... But he, wow, did he have did he have three first round picks? I guess he did. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he I traded him Jeff Jenkins. And so he just asked for Jeff Jenkins in exchange for your first round pick. And then he turned around and did the exact same thing, sort of, with um with his other first round pick. He offered it to Cooper uh in addition to a I guess he packaged a second with that also and got Ken Griffey Jr. Right. So this was the start of Adam's strategy, and he kind of did that in the next draft also. Um, 
I think there was maybe it was the next draft that uh, Adam ended up with. I don't remember. Adam ended up with somebody, um, and you kind of thought, or well, I'm mixing up that story. He he had he had a third baseman. Did Adam ever have Ramirez or Ramos? I don't know because that's what I'm trying to remember. But anyway, Adam kind of said, "You remember the 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 Wes Helms or why? Oh no, it was it was why would I trade for a Rod when I have Wes Helms? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right, that's right, right, right. right. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, we're kind of getting off track there. So what? Uh, so you took Giambi at right. number seven, and then you decided to spin him around. So tell us about well, yeah, that. Well, I was rebuilding. Giambi had a monster year. I wasn't gonna. So I traded him after like the first or second round of the season. So it was a pure value pick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Okay. Uh, and I just so I I picked up a first and something in the following draft. And then actually, if you look at who went eight and nine, they were Lady <laughs> Sizemore and Danny Heron. Yeah, that's crazy right there. Yeah, that was a that was a good pick for Cooper. That was Cooper wanted Grady out of that hole draft and i guess he's sort of like mauer i don't think he had the greatest of seasons but yeah saw the potential there um yeah that's pretty crazy at eight and nine uh but so talk about that instead of taking more of a prospect you took more of a value for that season what uh does that speak more to the philosophy that you have versus cooper or what made you do that oh it was a combination of that and the fact that i hadn't done any research once again (laughs) so you didn't know who was going to be good Right, I had no idea. I I knew, I'd heard of I'd heard Sizemore's name as a prospect, but I didn't know much about him. So yeah, I knew I knew I could get you know I knew I could get something good for Giambi. Uh, he fell to number seven, so I took him and then yeah, just turned around and traded him. Yeah, you uh, you traded him shortly after the draft, just three days after the draft, for a first, a fifth, and Sean Casey. The key to the deal, <laughs> right? And uh, the, yeah, that ended up being the number seven pick in the next draft, which you turned into another good starter. So you really you laid the seeds for your uh, for your seventh and eighth season teams in this in this draft. You did a good job with rebuilding, I suppose. Right. Um, so and then yeah, yeah. as evidenced. Um, let's see other notable. Oh, the other trade I wanted to ask you about. Um, you came into this season with a. I guess I guess he'd, uh, he was pretty good. I, I could look it up, but you came into the season with Andy Pettit. He was very good, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. um, a, a very good starter, top line starter, and you were fielding offers for him. So why don't you tell us about the two main offers that you got and the uh, and the decision that you made there? I uh, you probably remember this better than I do because again, well, uh, you're, not, you're not playing along very well here. I know, but. <laughs> I don't remember much. I remember that Cooper offered me Oliver Perez. There you go. And got really upset when I didn't take him. And that that was the story I, I wanted to relate. As I recall, um, you you had the main offers were from Doug and Cooper. Right. Doug again was contending, and um, I guess Cooper sort of contended this season. He was kind of middling, but um, Cooper. Well, they both offered you a first, also. And I believe both players were wheelchaired, both of the the players you were offered. So Doug offered you a first and a wheelchaired Nomar. Yeah. Um, Which... I, you know, he ended up he ended up being part of a platoon at first base for you in the next season, as I recall. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I think. Let me see. I'm, I'm going back to the trades file. Uh, Cooper offered me a first and Oliver Perez. That's right. And Cooper offered you a first and Oliver Perez. Now yeah. the trade is listed as a first and eighth and, and no more for Pettit okay. that you got from Doug. I don't. I, the eighth probably not right. significant. Um, but this was a huge kerfuffle, I believe, about. Uh, because Cooper got very, very indignant about this. Because yeah. in his estimation, his offer was miles better than Doug's. Yeah. He yeah. thought, and I remember him spending a good amount of time at that draft trying to convince you that you were a complete moron for taking Nomar instead of Ollie Perez. Right, right. It, yeah. it was blatant Cooper Eriks, I guess. He was, uh, you know, if, and and Chad did this to a certain extent also. They have kind of a history of just 
you know, as we talked about earlier, getting inflamed about trades. Yeah. And Cooper, uh, Cooper estimated it one way, and he thought that, that was the way you should see it. Now, in retrospect, um, you know, probably about the same. I don't know. I guess you got one season out of Nomar. No, I got. Oh yeah, no, I got much more out of Nomar than I would have out of Ollie. Ollie did nothing. Yeah, uh, he was done by then, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I've had Oliver Perez in my other baseball league. Uh, right. I knew what he was all about. Uh, I thought Perez Which was walking people. Was the safer bet, actually, even though he had some injury problems. Yeah, actually, well, actually, to be fair, um, Oliver Perez did. Did he have one more year? Yeah, yeah, but you would, but uh, you would have had the. Uh, it's very doubtful you would have kept him. His yeah. his season for '07 was horrible. Yeah, he qualified, but he was horrible. It looks like he was decent in '08. Mm-hmm. So okay. he, so it would have been very unlikely that you would have kept him through that, though. Um, right. is the point. Um, so I mean, you can argue back and forth about that. Um. So I thought that was interesting. We um, l- let's talk a little bit about um, some of the trades that happened. I think that was pretty much um, all that I wanted to say about the draft. You mentioned Sizemore and Heron. I thought I kind of that kind of jumped out at me. Also, two really prime talents there at eight and nine, um, and Cooper should be commended for that. I mean, that was a very good pick, and Dog yeah. also for Heron. Um, so one thing I just wanted to mention about the trades. There were, if you look at the trades file, there were 22 trades at the draft. 22. Right. Uh, we don't quite get that now. This, I mean, this was the the high water mark of trading craziness. And if you look at the dates, um, in the two, there were four trades in the two days before that. One of those was a bet on who would win the trivia challenge between you, Cooper, and Chad. But. Um, um, 22 trades. I just thought I, I'd mention that. It's just. Yeah, pretty crazy, um, including another one where Adam got a, an old outfielder for a pick in this season. He got Xavier yeah, Nady from Doug. A lot of very minor trades. I think the only one worth mentioning might be the, the uh, might be the oh, yeah. last trade. Oh, I oh I definitely wanted to mention this. Yeah, okay. Because when we talk about the cycle of rebuilding Jeffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can say, I mean, you made a little bit of a misstep with Eric Chavez, but uh, that's semi-minor. If you wanted to point, in my estimation, to the one reason that you were more successful than than Florian, the the big glaring reason, I think it's this trade. Okay. I mean, uh, it's pretty shocking to look at now, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I'd forgotten about this trade, actually, so I'm just looking at it for the first time and... Well, Who knows how long? What are your reactions to it? Well, we should tell everybody what it was. Go ahead. Uh, you can you can do it. Okay. State College traded away Jake Peavy and Mariano Rivera, and received uh, Rich Harden, Eric Gagne, a first in a first round pick in the following season. A third. They picked up a bunch of picks actually. A first in the following season, a third in the following season, and a fifth in the following season. They got a lot of picks because, as you notice, Hart, neither Harden nor Gagne, imagine this for those players, had qualified in this season. Right. So yeah. they were both wheelchair players. Um, and, I mean, I don't even know if either one of them qualified. Well, Harden, oh yeah, Harden came back and had a really good season for Dunedin in the year they played Cooper in the championship in 09. But, of course, by that time, State College had cut bait on him. Yeah. And Gagne was done. I mean, we did, we obviously didn't know it, but Gagne, I think, was on so many steroids that, I mean, he was rivaling Bonds at that point. Yeah, um, yeah Harden didn't even make it back until 09. And, of course, now he's, you know, kind of washed out again. He had, it, it was his rookie season was 05, and, and he was a phenom. He was seen as, you know, he was kind of a Mark Pryor-esque figure. And... I mean, you, you think about this trade. He was out for the 06 season, but he missed 07 and 08. Didn't come back till 09. And Gagne was just done. Uh, he never played in the RBA again. And you think about what what went in the other direction. I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah, PV became the uh, right around 06, 07. I mean, for a couple years was arguably the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, well, it was the season in '05. You remember he won 13 games in the RBA, and he was—I yeah. mean, he okay. was really good that season. But he was consistently good. He in '06 through '09, he had 
four seasons in a row where he was either the number one or number two starter because he made 17 starts in each of those four seasons. His ERA was under four each of those seasons, and he won 31 games. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he was an impact player for Buffalo. And Rivera, who, I mean, I, I mean, you can understand a little bit the, the uh, rationale at the time. I mean, I guess Gagne was younger, but I mean, Rivera. Yeah. I mean, you want to take a guess at how many saves he accrued in 06 to, to 2010? Five seasons? I don't even want to guess. It's a over a hundred. Oh. <laughs> I mean. That many. So it, it's, yeah. So. It looks really bad now. I mean, you could understand it at the time. And a first, a third, and a fifth is no no small uh, compensation there. But, I mean, that really, that I, I mean, that's two of the, the, I mean, for the next four or five seasons, Peavy and Rivera, consistently two of the best players in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you think about the, the balance of that, how State College never really quite got back up there. And Buffalo made the playoffs seemingly every season. It's really yeah, kind of telling. He's good. Yeah. Um. So you want to get into the season? Yeah, okay. Um, all right, well, I guess you can start. Uh, okay. Well, um, Buffalo ended up winning 55 games. PV and Rivera obviously helping there, uh, if you want to transition. Um, but in the replay, they only won 47.6. Now, we we had the notion that this Buffalo team was as, I always thought they were almost as good as what they played, but maybe they weren't quite. Well, um, yeah. Actually, I have one story about the regular season to pass on. I, oh, good. Only one that I can remember. I'm glad that you're contributing something to the, to the sixth season actually, podcast. No, there's, actually, there are two stories I can rem- I remember. And they both involve Pete Allen. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. You know they're going to be good. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, okay. So the first such story... Uh, amounts to you. I'm sure you were going to mention this, but Pete had the Pete had the division lead over Chad for like three quarters or maybe long, he almost the whole season. That's true. And um, anyway, it was pretty clear to me and to I think anybody, <laughs> anybody. except for Pete, that that he was a far inferior. He had a far inferior team to Chad's. But Pete was in first place the whole season. Pete could be very arrogant. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, he'd had a lot of success in my hockey league. Uh, that was probably part of it. But anyway, he he had this lead on Chad. I, I still had a couple of assets that I could trade, believe it or not, as bad as my <laughs> I had a couple of short-term assets that I was willing to trade. I talked to Pete on the phone one time. It was coming up on the trading deadline. And I said, Pete... You need to beef up your team a little bit because you're probably going to lose the division to Chad if you don't. He was only a couple games up on Chad at that time, I think. And uh, and Pete looked at me and, or well, he was talking <laughs> on the phone, but I could see his frigging face. <laughs> he he, uh, he paused for a second and he says to me, "I'm going to win the division anyway. <laughs> it's uh, it's already over. I don't need your players." Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and I said, Pete, I'm not trying to. I know I've got an interest in trading you. I'm, I've got a, I've got an interest in, in making a trade with you, but I'm telling you honestly, you're probably not going to beat Chad if you don't make your team a little bit better. And uh, Pete just stuck to his guns. He's very and, obstinate about that. He he really up, thought he was going to win. Ended up not only losing the division to Chad, but kind of got buried. I mean, didn't he end up losing? <sighs> Six games. Oh, he just, yeah, he just really sunk in the second, uh, down the last, like you said, like a quarter of the season. Um, I'm going to look right now, but um, yeah, but go ahead and, and tell the, you know, the kind of addendum to that story. We do need to, to mention that. Uh, what do you mean? Well, uh, you know, Pete thought that he was going to the championship. As he said, he's very hubristic about that. He said, you know, well, I'm going to win the division. I don't need your players. Um, and there was something relating to the fact that he was going to go to the championship. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah, this was the other story. Okay, I think I know what I you're... Thought. I thought, yeah. Um, Pete was going to quit the league. Correct. Yeah, okay. Uh, that was my other story. Yeah, so Pete, Pete was going to quit the RBA. This was at the same time that he was quitting my hockey league. And um, so uh, I'm on the phone with Pete. It might have even been the same conversation. I don't remember. But uh, 
but uh, Pete, Pete told me he was going to leave the RBA. He'd already decided to leave the HHA just right before that. And um, so I was talking to Pete on the phone, and I said, okay, well, uh, you're going to leave the RBA. Okay. Which is interesting that he wouldn't beef up his team even more. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but yes. I'm glad he didn't. You don't want you don't want teams trading their futures and then quitting. And then quitting, yeah. Uh, yeah but but, but, but uh, anyway, I don't think that would have bothered Pete. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, it would have bothered everybody else, but yeah. No, no, obviously. But anyway, uh, Pete, I was talking to Pete and, uh, he said, I'm gonna leave the RBA. And I said, okay, well, you know, it's already June or July or yeah, something. Whatever it was. Uh, well, when were you planning on telling JR this? <laughs> Pete goes, oh, I'll just tell him after I win the championship. Which there are several problems with that. <laughs> I, said, Pete, I said, Pete, you've been in the league. For several years now, you know that the championship occurs the day before the next year's draft. You, you, you uh. can give JR some time to find a replacement. This is, and, and he, he, he pauses for a second and he goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh. He'd been to, you know, all of these RBA weekends and somehow did not realize or hadn't thought about the uh, fact that the uh, championship and the draft occur on back-to-back days, and so right. that well, you know, I could just go, you know, I could just go down to the sidewalk and pull somebody up to to manage the team, you know, after the championship was over, I could just go, you know. Yeah. Well, he, that person would have done his. Set you up for that. He, but but uh, but so I said, you got to tell Jr. now. You have to tell Jr. very soon. And he did, and you were able to find a replacement. Yeah. Well, there's. I know we're we're kind of about the 50 minute mark here, so let's let's leave. There's there's a a good amount of discussion relating to that about not only Pete but Jared, um, and the whole expansion story. I mean, we'll have to cover that at the beginning of the seventh season podcast because there's uh, lots of in, interesting tidbits about what happened there, um, yep. and how we decided to go to 12 teams and and everything and and. Pete quitting, Jared quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a turbulent time. Not as turbulent as, as during the second season, but um, I was expanding at the same time that I was losing <laughs> owners, which was yeah. weird. Let's let, let me just put a um, uh, just kind of put a conclusion on what we were talking about. I looked in the records after sixty two games. Okay, so basically three quarters of the way through the season, yep. um, with 19 games to play, Rockford was 40 and 22, Whew. and Elm Grove was 39 and 23. So this was right before the deadline. Like you said, he was one game ahead of Chad. Yeah. In the last 19 games, Chad went 15 and four. Rockford went six and 13. <laughs> they finished eight games back. <laughs> this, is, this is a good time to. This is a good time to give my uh, spreadsheet scores. Ah, please do. Uh, because the scores I have for this year, I didn't even bother to make a spreadsheet this year. <laughs> I put this together uh, like six months ago or something. Oh, I guess we did. That's right. I remember that now. That's right. Because I wanted to kind of fill everything out. So, right. uh, the, you know, in terms of the history of the RBA. So these are the scores of the teams at the trade after the trading deadline, I guess. Uh, 80 is average. Uh, 120 is pretty is is near great, I guess, and uh, 40 is near terrible or terrible. Okay, so anyway, uh, in the Larkin, Elm Grove, uh, 119. Okay. Yeah, that's typically the best team in the league is right around there. And uh, interesting, they only won 45.8 games in the replay, which was the biggest drop from the regular season performance. I don't know what. It's interesting. Yeah, so Elm Grove was a 119. Uh, the second best team in the division was Rockford, but uh, with an 88. Mm. And they won 42.7 in the replay, which is about right. Yeah, they were league averagers, a little above a little league above. average. Uh, well, so, also, we, we should mention, they traded for Andy Pettit from Dog. We talked about Pettit before. Yeah. And he was an impact pitcher. Right. So um, that that made a difference. Oh, yeah, big difference. Uh, that's true. Uh, Baltimore was an 81, and that's even after trading Pettit, like you said. Correct, and they, they finished the replay with 44.4 wins. So Baltimore had been unlucky, and Rockford had been lucky up to that Baltimore point. had been extremely unlucky. I think they yeah. traded more than just Pettit. They they had a really really unlucky year. They, the, they As usual. They got poor dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, they got greenbacked. <laughs> up to that point, I could use the, the term greenbacked. Uh, and you did all the time. <laughs> I did. Las Vegas, a 70. 
And they finished with 38.8 in the replay, so that seems about right. I I had a 20. Oh. (laughs) That team was such a pile of crap. It was awful. It was really awful. Over in the pucket, let's see, Buffalo. 118, same as Chad. One Chad was 119. And they Buffalo finished the real season with one more win. They finished the replay with two more wins, basically. They they did win the replay at 47.6. I get you know, especially based on their win totals, I always thought that they were better. Um, yeah. Me you know, too. Those two teams were better. I, I, yeah, so it's interesting that they didn't finish as well in the replay. Now, Chicago in the replay finished only a half a win behind Buffalo ahead of Elm Grove. So what was their score? Uh, okay, well, hang on. We'll, oh. I'll go in order. Uh, Chicago oh. was second. Oh, dear. Okay. Walla Walla was second. Wow. With a 93. Hmm. Okay. Uh, they had they had a really good offense that year. Um, that third was Chicago with an 84. Wow. Basically hmm. league average. Uh, Silver City was a 71. Yeah, that, that seems about right. They finished with 36.7. That's about as bad as they ever got. And the other rebuilding Jeff finished with a 35, so even he was like, you know, 15 points better than me. Yeah, but he finished .2 wins behind you in the replay. Your team somehow ended up winning 31.8 games, which I don't understand. Yeah, to summarize the replays, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the replay results. Uh, let's see. Let me find 2006. There it is. Uh, okay. Um, Elm Grove, yeah, 45.8 wins on average. Nobody dominated these replays at all from 2006. No, not uh, at all. You, you see the, uh, I mean, the all-time rankings, Buffalo was 22nd all-time, and that, and they were the best. Yeah, the 2005 season had absolutely no parity. The 2006 season had lots of it. Yeah, it didn't seem that way given the fact that, that both those teams, Elm Grove and Buffalo, won by huge margins, but it actually was. Apart from Florian and, and me. <laughs> oh, yeah. The other teams, yeah, there was a lot of parity. Uh, Elm Grove, 45.8 wins. They, but they only made the, um, yeah, they only made the playoffs in six of the 14 replays. Which is pretty crazy, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Baltimore, uh, won, made the playoffs four times. Mm-hmm, with 44.4 wins, yep. Yeah, so that's 10. Uh, Rockford made it three times. Yeah. Crazy. And Las Vegas made it once. Yeah, they sure did. I, of course, did not make it at all. In what? Fact, Are you sure? Maybe we should check that again. I know. I'm checking it very, very closely to make sure there's uh, not a mistake. And then in the pocket, again, a lot of parity. The best team, the, the winner of the replay overall was Buffalo at 47.6. Right. But they only made the playoffs in seven of the 14. Yeah. Crazy. No team made the playoffs more than half the time. Yeah, right. Chicago made it six times, and Walla Walla actually, yeah, just made it once. Yeah. So interesting, interesting there. Yeah, nobody dominated. Nobody even came close to fifty wins on average. Right, and as usual, I'll put these up with the uh, with the post on the blog here, so you'll be able to see the uh, you'll yeah. be able to see the standings. So I guess so. Anyway, the right. So the season, the fifth, sixth season ended, and uh, we. I guess uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about the season or go to the championship. Yeah, I guess we could talk about the championship. Um, you know, I guess uh, Chad and I pretty much covered the Maurer trade. That's a pretty formative trade in the league, um, the fact that Chad ended up getting Maurer for not a whole lot. Uh, you know, just one thing I noticed, Chad made a lot of trades, which is not uh, front-page news here. But um, it just he, he seemed to have a real skill at loading up at the deadline, and he was already kind of... Um, Showing that here, he seemed yeah. like he really loaded this team up. If you go back and look at the right. trades, I mean, he. I don't, I don't have. I don't. Of course, I, like I said, I didn't even bother to make a spreadsheet in the sixth season, but I had a pretty good idea of, of who the good teams were. And uh, Chad was not that good at the start of the season, but he really loaded up at the deadline. He really did, yeah. and, and it really is a testament to how he could identify his needs and put it together. And and of course, he right. ended up winning the championship. Right. I think at the start of the season, pretty much everybody expected Doug to win that division. Is that right? I don't I, really remember. I, I certainly did, and I think uh, Cooper made a, made mention of that. Okay. Uh, I remember Cooper saying that Doug had a really great team. I think he wrote it in an email, too. I think everybody thought Doug was at least the favorite. Maybe not, not, maybe not, a, a certain, maybe not certain to win the division, but at least the favorite to hmm. win the And he finished third. Yeah, poor Doug. He had such bad luck before last season. Such bad luck. And I think these replays are showing that. The fact that he traded Pettit away, and, and he traded, he actually traded Jim Edmonds and a reliever to Chad also at the deadline. 
and two relievers actually. So, I mean, that 44.4, I mean, he, you know, if we had played this before the trades, Doug probably would have won the replay. Yeah. Well, I know there were some, uh, I guess, uh, segueing into the uh, championship series, there were, the only thing I remember about the 06 championship, other than, you know, it being Chad's third uh, title, was that there were definitely some managerial mistakes made by Buffalo. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of what it's famous for. I mean, looking back at the replay, I, I think some people thought that that uh, Buffalo had the better team, and the replay does suggest that, though it's not yeah, resounding. I think they were pretty close. Um, we had the perception that Buffalo should, quote unquote should have, but was outmanaged yeah. by Chad. Um, well, didn't didn't Fisher? I mean, didn't he he hit, he did a hit and run from second base? There, yeah, I mean, it's tough to look that up. He did some questionable hit and runs. He may have done a hit and run with two outs as well. Well, you've never done that, certainly. I did. Wait, what? <laughs> you did that in a game we played last year, you attempted to. Are you referring to the other baseball league? Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, I forgot there were two outs. That was still good. baseball. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing, the, the one managerial move that I always remember and this is kind of the the symbol of it. And I'm looking back at it now to to find the exact scenario. Chad was in, in game six. Uh, Chad came into game six up three games to two. Chad won the first game in a, in a tight one, uh, four to three. Um, Buffalo won the second game ten to five. They got all over Barry Zito there. Um, Let's see. Um, and then, uh, actually, Chad ended up winning game three behind. Oh, that was Pryor's big performance. I've mentioned this before, but this was Pryor's swan song. He was the number three starter in that rotation. Pryor yeah. went seven and a third, one run, 15 strikeouts in game three of that championship, which is kind of a hidden gem. Um, Chad ended up winning game four, seven to six, to take three games to one lead. Buffalo scored six runs in that game on three hits. <laughs> wow. Basically, he he got six walks and three homers, which is kind of funny. Um, Buffalo won game five to stay alive. Um, they survived a late charge by Chad. Now, this is what I remember. Chad came into game six up three games to two. Chad ended up winning that game six to one. When it was four to one in the bottom of the fifth or sixth inning, um, Buffalo bunted with Alex Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Down three. Yep. And they had actually bunted earlier, like an inning earlier, with with Orlando Hudson, which isn't as big a deal. But they were bunting down three, and the biggest problem was when he bunted A-Rod. Yeah. I mean, it's just... that. I think that's the symbol that, that we take away from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, we'll have a lot to talk about as we go into the... Um, seventh season, like I said, with the the realignment, the expansion, all kinds of changes in the league, but uh, I guess we should probably save that for then. We uh, we are at about the hour mark, so we've done a good job covering the sixth season, even though I had to carry you in parts because you don't really remember much. Of it. <laughs> yeah, this is a blank spot for me. <laughs> I, I guess I'll conclude by saying that uh, I, I, and I guess most of the coaches who've been around a while, kind of, I lit, well, I kind of draw a dividing line after the sixth season. Uh because yeah, we expand. Well, we went from two to three divisions after the sixth season. Correct. We've had three divisions ever since. We'll probably go back to two next season. But anyway, uh, I guess as of now, it's roughly the halfway point in the season's history. And from, wow. the, yeah. from, the, from the perspective of Arizona, anyway, it was our rebirth uh, occurring after the sixth season. Oh, the Phoenix! You should rename your team the Phoenix. The rebirth. Yes. The, yes, I, I will. The Phoenix. Yeah. Or the Phoenix Flames. Right. Uh, anyway, that fits you too. I uh, so after the sixth season, yeah, that was when I I rebuilt and and was contending. Uh, you know, starting in the seventh season, but the league just changed a lot after that too. We brought in the Tinglers and we brought in Raymond. I guess was the other. That's correct. Expansion manager, and uh, so anyway, that I guess we'll pick up there on the next podcast. Yeah, it is kind of the end of an era, the end of the two division era, and it. Uh, yeah, the seventh season was a very interesting season, and uh, we'll have some stuff to say about that. All right, well, and you'll be back for that one. You'll have some more to say, I guess, right, about the seventh season. It's a pretty big yeah. season for you. It might be a while until we do that one. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, it might but be that's a, okay. 
yeah, yeah, it might be a month or something, but we'll we'll pick the, we'll pick them back up here uh, at some point, and uh, we don't have that many more to do, I guess. Yeah, maybe we'll get Chad to to give a, another rebuttal here after these after the, we've done these three. We'll see what well, happens. Saying you wanted to do one after every three or something like that, so yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Jeff, for reliving one of the more painful seasons uh, that you've ever had. <laughs> It wasn't that painful for me. I just didn't pay attention. I just didn't care. Yeah, it's not that you're lazy. It's just that you didn't care. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, all right. We'll be back soon with the seventh uh, season podcast. Uh, until then. Yep. All right. Y'all.